Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. News Podcast presents Brett Baer's All-Star Panel. America has got to be in the lead if you want to deal with these threats. We're going to lead. The morning is over. The Shiva is done. And if you're a conservative, you should be optimistic. You know, my main priority right now is making sure that it delivers for the American people. We have to make our country great again, and I will do that. I think the president gets criticized by people all the time for the stuff he says, by people who ignore what he does. Now, Fox's chief political anchor, Brett Baird. The race for the 2024 White House continues. Few have yet to throw their hat in the ring, but former President Donald Trump does have some company with former governor of South Carolina, Nikki Haley, and entrepreneur Vivek. Ramaswamy. The former president hosted a campaign rally in Waco, Texas over the weekend, taking aim at what he called a corrupt justice system as he awaits a possible indictment from Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg over alleged hush money payments to adult film actress Stormy Daniels. From the beginning, it's been one witch hunt and phony investigation after another. They have nothing. Meanwhile, the Republican-led House of Representatives continues a slew of hearings investigating the Chinese influence being fed through the social media app TikTok to the Select Subcommittee on Weaponization of the Federal Government. For a conversation on this and more, we bring in our panel. Republican strategist, co-founder of the South and Hill Strategies, Colin Reed, Washington Bureau Chief for USA Today, Susan Page, an anchor of Fox News Sunday and author of the new book, Love Stories of the Bible Speak, Shannon Brain. Thanks for being here, guys. Uh, Shannon, let me start with you. You know, obviously, all of this took a back seat to seeing this shooting at another school uh, and in outside Nashville. And now the the White House is saying this is the impetus uh, for rekindling uh, an assault weapons ban. Yeah, and that's the uh, response we see so often. And unfortunately, we do have multiple episodes like this where people's hearts are absolutely broken. We know a community is broken tonight and will be for a long time in trying to recover from this. You know, folks will remember, though, in Washington, they've actually made some progress. Think about the conversations in the legislation they've had on funding for states with red flag laws, um, other conversations about, you know, storing weaponry, background checks. There are things that people on both sides of the gun control debate agree on, and they have moved that ball forward slightly. Um, but when it automatically goes to a weapons ban, it, it it feels political right off the bat. And some people feel like, OK, we can talk about common ground on this issue. But let's wait a minute, find out the details of this situation, grieve with these families and take a breath. Um, Washington doesn't seem to be capable of that. Susan, the White House hopes something's going to happen. There is, of course, after every one of these shootings at schools and bars and grocery stores and elsewhere, there is, I think, increasing impatience to see something happen. Uh, and President Biden has been a consistent supporter of an assault weapons ban. It's it's just hard to see it happening. 
uh, with this Congress. Uh, it's that's been true uh, for for some time. The uh, those who oppose tougher gun laws uh, have the ability to block uh, the actions of those who think they would be a, a good a good thing to do. A starting point uh, controlling assault weapons uh, to seems to them to be a pretty common sense thing to do. I think that not even the White House thinks this is likely to make the kind of change that would make that politically feasible, though. And Colin, I mean, obviously, they're pointing towards Republicans saying those are the people holding back what they want to do, an assault weapons ban. There are other Republicans that point to stats about the assault weapons ban back when it last was intact and whether it affected things or not. You can make those arguments, uh, but it is a circular argument that we see on Capitol Hill. Yeah, and there was a good faith negotiation and agreement last Congress, Brett, that actually got some meaningful progress done in this debate. And it was a moment that was celebrated by leaders on both sides and even the White House at that point. So if they were able to get something done last Congress, that's a good thing. I'm not sure they're going to be able to get anything done this Congress, especially given the political dynamics. You've got three of the most endangered Democratic senators up for reelection in states like Montana, Ohio and West Virginia. Senator Manchin, in particular, is always in the middle of all these, and he faces potentially a serious challenger on the Republican challenger. So uh, politics will, will start to influence this. Um, but it doesn't seem like that long ago that uh, everyone was talking about the, the meaningful progress that was made in this issue. And then we see in, in the face of this horrible tragedy, just uh, a rush to play politics and uh, rather than uh, learn the facts and, and grieve with the people who, who lost so much and uh, take a breath and pause before I- immediately pointing fingers uh, at one another. Yeah, it is horrific, you know, watching the kids holding hands going out of that school. Again, you know, as you look at all the things that have happened around our country, I want to turn to the political environment, uh, Shannon, and obviously the former president under attack uh, legally on a number of different fronts. Perhaps the weakest may be the Manhattan DA, and we haven't seen it go forward as of yet, but he's pushing back um, ahead of time. He is. And in his speech in Waco on Saturday night, I actually thought he would be a little bit more full throated. I mean, he was clear that he thinks that this is a political uh, job on him, a hit job, that this is not a legit prosecution. But he didn't go after Alvin Bragg, the DA, in the way that I thought he would. He actually gave him some credit. And he said, you know, early on, he also thought this was a bad idea, but then he had such intense political pressure, he decided to go forward. Well, gosh, we've seen that case in the last few days with Robert Costello, the attorney, come forward and give testimony saying to the grand jurors. There are hundreds of emails. You've only seen six. Um, I've worked and I've talked with Michael Cohen, which Michael Cohen denies there was ever a representation. But Costello says he's either lying then or lying now. He's told many different stories. You can't pin this whole case on him. So listen, we don't know what's gone on inside of the Georgia case, the two um, special counsel federal cases that are proceeding. But from what we know, it appears that the Manhattan case is probably the weakest one. And now Alvin Bragg is facing pressure from all political sides to not get this wrong and add fuel to the Trump 2024 um, polling and, you know, progress, which seems to be really trending well for the former president at this moment. Yeah, Susan, he is leading in almost all polls. Um, when you poll the GOP primary, obviously, some of those people are not in the race as of yet. Ron DeSantis being the biggest potential challenger. It seems like the other lane is Trump policy without the chaos, without the baggage. And that's the running point. Yeah, that's that has been Governor DeSantis's uh, pitch. Um, but it's interesting, uh, 
former President Trump has really gone on the offensive against DeSantis, made fun of him, uh, raised questions about how he handled uh, COVID and some other things, uh, uh, portrays him as sanctimonious or desanctimonious, as he calls him. Uh, and it's had an effect. Uh, we've seen uh, DeSantis' standing erode somewhat in these polls of Republican voters and Trump do, uh, doing a little better. You know, it is true that running for president is a hard thing to do. Uh, Donald Trump has now done it twice, winning once, losing once. DeSantis has not been on a national stage before. We'll, we'll find out whether he has a glass jaw or whether he can handle the assaults that are surely coming, have come already and will come again in the future from Donald Trump. Just, just one other thing, I think it's pretty amazing that there is a debate, a real debate, about whether it's a good thing or a bad thing politically for Trump to be indicted. Uh, that's <laughs> a pretty remarkable thing to me. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Panel, we'll hold it right there. The, the point being, if the case is is seen generically as, as pretty flimsy or that would not have been brought up against somebody else, that's where people sit, hang their hat and say, oh, somehow yeah, I, understand, this- I understand that. And if, if, uh, if, if he, he can defeat the indictment it can if it goes that far if he uh if he prevails over it that would uh, strengthen him I, i'm sure enable him to continue to argue that it wasn't uh, fair or right that he got but it's still surreal is your point it is it, it it is pretty amazing that you can make the argument either way that it yeah. hurts him and colin last thing on the politics and that is it, it does seem like there may not be a big lane of others that perhaps others are choosing not to get in. For example, Glenn Youngkin from Virginia, there's not a lot of indications that he's going to throw his hat in the ring. At one point, they thought he was. Um, I think Vice President Pence is going to run. I came away with that after a recent interview. But as far as others, Mike Pompeo, it may be a smaller field than we think it is. Well, I think the race will come down to three lanes. In the first will be former President Trump. In the second will be, if he gets in, Governor DeSantis. And in lane three will be everybody else, Brett. And whoever that everybody else remains to be seen. But there's going to be a slew of viable contenders. And those are going to be the people who are able to potentially pick up the pieces if the combatants in lanes one and two absolutely destroy each other. Now, Governor DeSantis has a, has a target on his back because of the, the win he had and because he is channeling all the angst from anyone in the Republican side who doesn't like the way Joe Biden's leading the country, certainly, and is un, is is uh, uncertain about the prospects of, of President Trump. But that support could just as easily uh, morph over into someone in that lane three uh, should he or she emerge. Uh, Nikki Haley has been up to New Hampshire a couple of times and has gotten good reviews. I know Governor DeSantis is heading up there in a few weeks for a big dinner next week, I believe. And that'll be a, a key tell whether or not he can uh, do the one-on-one retail politics that's so paramount and important up there. Uh, and I'm biased because it's my backyard and it's from where I've uh, come from. But New Hampshire is where this New Hampshire where this lane three, if it's going to develop, does develop. And I would keep an eye, Brett, and all the folks as they begin to traipse up there uh, as this thing kicks off in earnest. And Shannon, we continue to say it's conventional wisdom that President Biden is going to run for re-election and that 
machinations are all moving in that direction. However, it's not official. Uh, and there are still these stories about Kamala Harris that are popping up left and right in non-traditional places that may be you know, negative to this administration. Yeah. And you and I know and everybody on this podcast knows that those stories don't just vaporize and leak out of nowhere. I mean, they are things that somebody's made a decision to give a quote or a hint or a rumor to somebody who they know it's going to end up in print or being reported somewhere. So, listen, from the time that um, I was over at that lunch at, at the White House on the day of the State of the Union, that was the first time I really felt like, oh, I'm not sure the president is really going to run again. Now, all the infrastructure and the framework and everything seems to be absolutely moving in that direction. But there was reporting over the last few days that said the president has been frustrated with the vice president. He don't he doesn't think she stepped up in the right way. And that part of his calculation in the fact that he may run is because he doesn't think that she can beat um, most of the Republican field, including President Trump, if he's you know the nominee. So there's definitely a lot of chatter. Um there does seem to be a bit more of a delay than we thought in an announcement from President Biden. I'm still not 100 percent convinced he's going to run. Susan? Well, I would just note that that both President Clinton and President Obama, um, when they were in the White House and announcing their second terms, announced in April. So April seems to be the magic month for Democratic presidents who want to run for a second term. I'd be looking for that. I think that Joe Biden, it feels the same way this time as he did last time around, that that not that he's the perfect candidate, but that he is the candidate best positioned and perhaps the only Democratic candidate who can beat Donald Trump. And that is a calculation some other Democrats have made as well. So I guess count me with the conventional on this one that he is running. (laughs) And Colin, last word. I think it's becoming increasingly clear, not just to Republicans, but a, a lot of voters, that Joe Biden might not be up for the job right now. And he's certainly four more years from now at the age of 86, there are serious questions raised uh, about him. And look, his his entire the entire reason for Joe Biden's candidacy, he, he was the, the the bulwark against Trump. He was the one who was going to restore normalcy. He was the one who was going to end the chaos. And it, that that's his clarion call. Uh, and, and that's what Republicans would be wise to guard against because it worked in 2020 and it possibly could in 2024 uh, with the with the wrong candidate on the Republican side. And Shannon, both parties could use some love stories from the Bible, couldn't they? <laughs> couldn't we all? Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, my new book is out March 28th, Love Stories of the Bible Speak. And it's not just about romantic love, which, by the way, people may not think, but the Bible actually does have a lot to say about passion and romance and all of those things. But it's about the love of friendship, too. And people will actually walk through the fire with you. We all want those kinds of friends, but we got to aspire to be those kinds of friends, too. And there's also that nagging reminder that we're supposed to love our neighbors as ourselves. I looked, I couldn't find any exceptions to that in the Bible. So I think we're on the hook for really reaching out and trying to do a better job of loving people around us well, whether they are lovable or not. We'll check out the book. They're always great. Uh, Thank you all. Now for a bit of history. On March 27th, 1958, Nikita Khrushchev became the premier of the Soviet Union, as well as the first secretary of the Communist Party. Under his leadership, the Soviet space program would see advancements, one being the launch of Sputnik, one of the first artificial Earth satellites. Khrushchev would lead the Soviet Union until his removal and replacement by Leonid Brezhnev as first secretary of the Communist Party. That'll do it for this week. You can see more and hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and a review. We want to hear from you. For Colin, Susan, and Shannon, I'm Brett Baer. We'll see you next time. 
Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com.